Before we get started in this episode, I wanted to make sure everyone was aware of the contest we will be having to give away two copies of the Am I Psychic app. We're going to give one copy away for Apple devices and one copy for Android devices. And all you have to do to enter is follow Am I Psychic app on either Facebook or Twitter, and that's at Am I Psychic app. Am I psychic app once you follow send us a message with what device you prefer and we will enter you into the contest and we will have that drawing on friday the 13th so last day to enter is october 11th 2017 so go follow the am i psychic page to enter this podcast is part of the dark myths collective visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one the darkness awaits. You are about to listen to After Dark with the Secret Transmission Podcast. No research, no particular topics. I am your host, Toby, and I have my co-host with me. Hi, I'm Rudy. And Kristen may be joining us in a little while. But right now, we have a special guest on the line. Will you please introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, My name is Dominic Parker. Uh, I am a graduate student currently attending Saybrook University in Oakland, California. Uh, I'm working toward my PhD in psychology. I left my home in California to attend uh, the University of West Georgia to pursue my undergraduate degree in psychology. Uh, prior to leaving for Georgia, um, I began work on a mobile app that uses stati- the statistical science of parapsychology to test for psychic ability. Um, and after three years of development and testing, uh, the app Am I Psychic was recently released internationally. Am I Psychic is the first mobile app that combines a unique art design with fun games, along with being a legitimate psychological experiment to help prove the existence of psychic phenomena to the world. Uh, I consider myself a generalist. In the field of parapsychology, I'm interested in all forms of psychic experience, including extrasensory perception, all forms of psychokinesis, the survival of consciousness after bodily death, as well as field investigations, poltergeist phenomena, and apparitions or ghosts. Uh, You can find the app at mipsychicapp.com, and that's me. So you are officially our first most qualified professional we've ever had on our show. Right. (laughs) Because we are very, very far from professionals. We like to consider ourselves like just a group of friends that, you know, you're hanging out at the bar and you're like, oh, what do you think of ghosts? Have you ever had a ghost experience? You know, (laughs) like. Right. So it's, it's very nice to have someone that actually has some knowledge mm-hmm. <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of our dumbasses. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't consider myself a, a professional. Um, <laughs> I am a pair. What I like to say is I'm a parapsychologist in training right? Uh, be, because to call myself a parapsychologist would be disingenuous to the scientists who have spent their lives in this research and, uh, and who have done a lot for the field. Whereas with, the app, uh, am I psychic? This is my first, you know, hello world. Here I am kind of a thing. So I'm a parapsychologist in training to any scientist who knows me, who happens to be listening to this. Uh, I'm not claiming I'm a parapsychologist yet. Right. So, okay. Let's, before we get into questions about the app and everything. Sure. What, 
what got you into the paranormal and all this uh, funky weirdness? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, it started when I was as far back as I can remember. Um, I would go to the library and check out uh, books on religious, excuse me, religious phenomena like exorcism, uh, stigmata, um, levitations. Uh, like St. Joseph of Cupertino was well known for uh, uh, being able to levitate, Padre Pio, things like that. So that's originally um, what brought me into what science or what I would call and what science would call anomalous experiences, experiences that uh, cannot be explained by the materialist um, paradigm, right? Um, scientific paradigm. And I spent, uh, I don't know, years kind of, Reading um, books like that, written by, um, I mean, Catholic authors, uh, the Catholic, actually books written by the Catholic Church, um, doctors and psychiatrists who uh, were involved on a, you know, on a first-person basis um, with some of these phenomena, um, like the case of Annalise Michelle, which was made into the movie um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, yeah. There was actually a book written by a uh, anthropologist, I think, uh, not a psychiatrist. I'm pretty sure she was an anthropologist. Anyway, so I was into books like that, and then, you know, I got into the ghost stories, the whole um, Ed and Lorraine Warren books, which, um, you know, there's a, a big question mark there as to whether anything um, they were involved in, um, whether they whether they were capable of telling the truth. Um, yeah. I've spoken to a lot of parapsychologists uh, who knew them and were involved in the same cases they were, and uh, they're frauds. Um, <laughs> See, we, we, we actually want to dive into their, their cases uh, eventually on our show and, and see what's, what their stories are exactly, you know, because uh, we've seen movies and stuff. Uh, what was Annabelle and... Uh, the, the conjuring? conjurings, yeah. yeah, right. But weren't they involved with the Amityville horror as well? They they were involved in the Amityville horror, but just about everything they said uh, didn't really happen because right. they weren't the only Man. ones there. Um, right. There was there were multiple parapsychologists mm -hmm. there, and the the other thing to keep in mind about the Warrens is that they approach everything from a religious perspective, meaning that um, everything is a demon. Um, and there are many cases who, where uh, parapsychologists later came in to investigate the same case, and these these families were scared to death by the warrant saying that um, it was a demon when it wasn't, things like that. Uh, so again, you know, the Warrens, um, they were trying to make money. They were trying to make a buck and become famous, and that's what they did. I mean, look at the the movies. I'm sure they're getting royalty rights from that, and I have no... And all power to them, but yeah, yeah. Um, they they don't really tell the truth. But the, I've also heard that they're very nice people, by the way. Very <laughs> nice people. They just, um, you know, they make things up. And they hired novelists. I mean, they hired fiction authors to write many of their books. And the authors themselves have come out and said that they made up a great deal of what was in um, these books. So, uh, so that's so I went there to the Warrens, um, speaking of how I got into parapsychology. And then uh, I, um, I read this book um, by Lloyd Auerbach. It's a classic in the, in the 
the literature of parapsychology. It's called ESP Hauntings and Poltergeist. And it was originally released in 1986. And I had this old battered up copy of it. And, um, and I had the book for a while and just hadn't picked it up. Anyway, I read it. And um, right then my life changed. It, and I, that sounds dramatic, but um, seeing where I am now, uh, it, it actually was dramatic. Um, I became, I didn't know that there was a science, um, you know, a discipline of science that studies these types of phenomena. So um, at the back of Lloyd's book, you know, there was, even though the, the information was old, there was, you know, a lot of things on how to contact uh, through John F. Kennedy University, et cetera, et cetera. So I looked him up on Google um, and I'm living in California, in Napa, California at this time, by the way. And uh, he was, he's, he was offering classes in parapsychology at HCH Institute in Lafayette, California. And, you know, I, I waffled back and forth, you know, is, is he just trying to make money? Is he actually teaching things? But I finally decided the class classes weren't that expensive, a hundred, 150 bucks. You know, I could either go in person or I could sit on the phone if I couldn't be there. So it was a distance learning thing. Uh, so I decided to go down there. Um, and I sat in one of his classes and I realized very quickly that he was not out to make a buck. He was actually giving just too much, I mean, too much information. He knows so much. If you think I'm qualified, he's qualified. Right. Um, and I, you know, I, I ended up coming away with answers to some of the questions I had, but then I had uh, or, uh, answers to some of the questions I'd had, but then I had more questions. Right. And I and I kept taking his classes. And then finally, I decided that this was what I wanted to do with my life um, was to become a scientist um, and become a parapsychologist. And with that in mind, knowing that in the long run to be taken seriously as a scientist in the field of parapsychology, you need to at least have a master's degree and preferably a doctorate, a Ph.D. in either psychology, physics, biology, um, neurology or neuroscience things like that you you answered one of my questions because i was going to ask what it actually took to be a, a parapsychologist well that's a that's a, another great question and um in the field of parapsychology there are no programs um academic programs in parapsychology in the country meaning accredited academic programs um there's you can't get a bachelor's degree uh, or a master's or a PhD in parapsychology in the United States. In Europe, um, especially in England, uh, at the University of Northampton or the University of Edinburgh, at the University of Edinburgh, there's actually um, a department, a parapsychological department with a chair uh, in, the, in, in the discipline of parapsychology. Caroline Watt um, is actually the chair. Uh, Dr. Caroline Watt is the chair of that department. Um, so, and, and what parapsychologists recommend uh, universally is that you get an undergraduate degree in a normal discipline of science, whatever it may be, like I said, biology, physics, psychology, et cetera, and uh, get a postgraduate degree, a master's and a PhD in a um, mainstream uh, division of science. Like I said, uh, for me, it's clinical psychology, um, but Obviously, there's there's many different fields you can go into. Um, neuroscience is a is a big one in the field of parapsychology right now. And then you can uh, what they also say is that they wait until you get tenure at a university to even start work 
uh, within parapsychological topics because there's such a political bias within the within academia towards um, these types of phenomena, parapsychological phenomena. So, um, not taking their advice on that, um, I went I, on waiting until I had tenure. That's just too long for me. I don't want to wait until I'm 50 or 60 to start doing what I would love to do. So I began to look for um, a school I could get my undergraduate degree where I could focus on parapsychology. And the University of West Georgia is actually the only uh, brick and mortar legitimate university in the country, in our country, in the entire country, which is kind of surprising, that has classes in parapsychology, um, has a parapsychologist on their staff, uh, Dr. Christine Simmons-Moore, who's amazing, by the way, uh, Dr. Raymond Moody, the uh, man who coined the term near-death experience. When you hear that term, near-death experience, yeah. that's Dr. Mm-hmm. Raymond Moody came up with that. Oh, okay. And he, he did, yeah, yeah. He did his PhD work there. And also uh, Dr. William Roll, who was the leading uh, American researcher on poltergeist phenomena in the 20th century. Um, he was a professor there for many years. So it was a no-brainer for me to choose the University of West Georgia. So, um, you know, I left my home in California, went out to the University of West Georgia. And uh, that's kind of how uh, that's kind of how you get into the field of parapsychology without uh, going off on a tangent. That's kind of how you get into the field. <laughs> so, okay. Are you, I know like, I hit you with a lot of information. Yeah, no, yeah, no it, it was great. So do you, uh, what, let's go through a couple things like what you believe in and, and what you're trying to prove with your app or, or are you, are you trying to, are you more on the believer side of? Uh, uh, I think what Toby's trying to ask is, what's your stand on actual psychic phenomena? Yeah, yeah, great, great, great question. And I'll explain my stance, and then I'll explain why, which is more important than what my stance is. It's why I take the stance that I do. So I am a uh, believer in psychic phenomena. Um, now that doesn't mean that. Anyone, every single person who said they had a, a, a ghostly experience or that they're psychic or a medium, um, I don't necessarily, I don't believe everybody. And I don't just disbelieve everyone either. I, as a scientist, you have to stay skeptical until data is shown. Right. And the reason why I am a believer is, which is, sounds more like a religion, than uh, I'm a scientist. That's what I am. I follow the data. And there is... Over a hundred years, the Society for Psychical Research was founded in 1882, um, which began the institutional um, official scientific inquiry into parapsychology. So there's over a hundred years worth of data, studies, experiments, et cetera, et cetera. And overwhelmingly, they show that there, excuse me, that there is something going on. And as a scientist, um, you don't make conclusive statements, but the best explanation for these phenomena that we have as parapsychologists is that these phenomena are psychic or what, you know, what the mainstream population would call psychic phenomena, anomalous phenomena, non-local communication, things that can't necessarily be seen with the normal five senses, right? Which makes it difficult to study empirically, meaning study within a a laboratory or an an academic scientific experimental setting. It makes it difficult sometimes. Psi phenomena, that's what it's called, a PSI, psi phenomena, they're elusive by nature, meaning that uh, they, don't, they don't perform on command, right? They don't, uh, they don't necessarily happen just because you want them to. And in a laboratory, that makes it really difficult to study. 
But the data overwhelmingly shows that there's something going on with the best explanation being that it's a form of psychic experience. So that's why I consider myself, because I don't really like to use the word believer, even though that's what it is. I'm a scientist and scientists follow the data. If the data were to show that there's nothing there, then that's what I would believe. But the data shows overwhelmingly that there is something there, which is why uh, I feel the way I do about the subject. Did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Now I have have a a goofy question. Sure. I'm sure you've heard of uh, The Amazing Randy. Absolutely. Now, that's what makes it a a problem uh, for, for, I feel like, some of the studies too and for anyone that doesn't know who the amazing randy is go look up any youtube video he's basically uh he wants proof of psychic abilities uh he wants to prove it and then he wants to test it so there's one guy that claims that he can move a a, what was it he was moving a pencil with his mind or uh his chi or i don't know what he was saying and, uh, and you're talking about in the 70s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah James uh, James Heydrich. Heydrich, I think, is yes. the name. James Heydrich. Yes. He's a total fraud. Oh, He's an yeah. illusionist. And, and and most of these, that's what a most most of these uh, people that claim have these abilities are. They're 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 magicians, you know. Uh, right. Well, let let me explain a little bit about the amazing Randy. First, I want to say that um, unlike most of my colleagues in the field of parapsychology. I've read some of, or I mean, they, they've read some of Randy's books, but the, in general, they, they don't really like the guy. Oh, he seems and for, like such a hoot. <laughs> and for good reason, by the way. I mean, the, it, the Amazing Randy's kind of a long story to bring out, but I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. First, I want to say that I've read uh, some of Randy's books. I read his book, um, The Faith Healers, which I believe came out in 1987 which was kind of exposing these uh, prosperity preachers who said that they could heal you with their hands, right? Uh, people like Peter Popoff and uh, Oral Roberts and things like that. And it was a great book because um, at least at the time, many of these prosperity preachers were parasitic and took people's money claiming they could do things they didn't. Now, having said that, Randy has done some good things, but the amazing Randy, number one, he's not a scientist. And I'm not appealing to authority by saying, oh, he doesn't have letters behind his name, so his opinion is worthless. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is James Randi is a magician. He, When he was younger, he did a lot of the kind of things Houdini did. Um, he was an escape artist and a magician. And uh, there's also this thing called Randi's Million Dollar Challenge, which he always touts as being, you know, why did, hasn't somebody come and take the money? Basically, he's offering a million dollars for anyone who can, quote unquote, prove their abilities or that psychic phenomena are real, which conceptually is a great idea. But the the type of conditions, not, not conditions, but the type of success rate that the Randy challenge, million dollar challenge requires is more than 90 percent. OK, and statistically using statistics. What parapsychologists in general are trying to do with the types the, with the types of phenomena that would be applicable to James Randi's challenge are trying to show that there's what parapsychologists are trying to do is show that a statistical effect is greater than would be expected by chance. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, what Randi does is he wants a ninety percent, ninety five percent success rate, and the research in parapsychology shows that at best. 
at best, the best psychic and mediums who have been tested under tightly controlled experimental conditions are about 80% correct. Hmm. Um, now, 80%, by the way, when it's with these certain types of information, it's way greater than would be expected by chance, and it can't be explained any other way, especially under these tightly controlled experimental conditions. So 80% is highly statistically significant, a high deviation from what would be expected by chance. 80% right. correct. You know, if you hit 80% of your shots in basketball, you're one of the greatest shooters of all time. Right. If you, and also, let me give you another example, a more scientific example. So, you know, on aspirin bottles that uh, they say, you know, it prevents a heart attack by taking aspirin. Right. So the actual trials, the actual experiments that were ran to determine this, only three people out of 100 was it shown to alleviate the risk of heart attack. Okay? <laughs> three, that's true, by the way. You can look that up. Three out of 100. Yet the FDA allowed them to put that on, a, you know, bare aspirin, Advil, all that stuff, Tylenol, that it reduces your risk of heart attack because three out of 100 people. Wow. Mm-hmm. And... And in parapsychology, it's way greater than that. I mean, we're talking about billions and billions and billions to one are the odds that it was by chance. Right. You know, whereas the the studies in aspirin that determined that it's, it decreases your risk for a heart attack were only three in 100. So the aspirin wouldn't pass James Randi's million-dollar challenge. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not by a long shot, it wouldn't pass. That, Exactly. And you're getting and, psychics and mediums and the, that are hitting I'm sorry 80. to continue, but the, the, the million-dollar challenge is just, it's disingenuous. They don't really tell you what they're asking for. Uh. And that's, um, and, and Randy is, and I mean, like I said, I'm just telling the truth. Right. I actually kind of like the guy. <laughs> um, I do. I do. I mean, he's, he makes me laugh. You know, he's entertaining. He's a showman. Yeah. Oh, but, he, oh he sure um, is. But he, he, li- he's, he lies all the time right um and he exaggerates and does all those things you would expect from a magician he, he just doesn't tell the truth so he's completely disingenuous right um when it comes to setting these phenomena so that's who james randy is um and if you did the research it wouldn't all you'd have to do is a google search and do some reading to see that what i'm saying is um what's actually happening yeah or what's actually happened and who the guy is so okay what about like uh do you have any view views on well remote viewing and uh, some of the other? Of course, absolutely. Uh, well, remote viewing is uh, is an aspect of what parapsychology studies. The U.S. government from 1973, 74, I forget, uh, to, until 1995, the United States federal government had a program in remote viewing yep. for 25 years or over. Sorry, not 25 years, but over 20 years. And parapsychologists were involved from the beginning. Uh, Russell Targ. And Hal Putoff, um, Dr. Russell Targ and Dr. Hal Putoff, um, they were physicists who became parapsychologists because um, they they were in charge of this program. And then Dr. Edwin C. May, uh, known as Dr. Ed May, he doesn't really go by Edwin, he was in charge of the program. And he is a parapsychologist. And the, the remote viewing program for the government had great successes. I mean, unbelievable type success in certain instances. So, I mean, and if you'd like me to explain that further, I can, but... Oh, yeah, uh, sure. I mean... Anyway, so remote viewing, would you like me to? Yeah, I yeah, can. go ahead. Uh, I mean, that's... We're we're pretty interested in, in, you know, all the different aspects of of 
you know, uh, psychic phenomenon. Yeah, because you know, most of the time when, when now this was probably me when I was younger, but I was a big fan of like the X Men and stuff. So if you said someone was psychic, you immediately thought like, oh, Professor X, and you think, okay, he can he can read people's thoughts, he can move things with his mind. Uh, y- you know, you kind of he could essentially remote view. Yeah, he could do remote too, view, so. but. People, I don't feel like people understand that there's more, uh, more than just the simple moving something with your yeah, mind. Yeah, it's not. It, it, I feel like it gets grouped together. Is, yeah, is that? But is there other kinds other than like remote viewing, uh, telekinesis? Sure. Let me explain. Absolutely. Let me explain what parapsychology studies. That's probably a good way to. Um, so, parapsychology studies ESP, extrasensory perception. Now that includes telepathy, uh, reading someone else's mind. It includes precognition, the ability to uh, know what's going to happen in the future or feeling the future, as Dr. Daryl Ben would say, or retrocognition, which is knowing what's ha- going to happen in the past, knowing what happened in the past. I'm sorry. And is that is that the, is that like the one where uh, if you go into a room, you can kind of sense like everything that's happened in there? Or exactly. Like, okay, like okay. that. Exactly. Um, or psychometry where you hold an object and you can talk about the history of the object and what the object's quote-unquote seen, all of that would be classified under extrasensory perception. Right. Um, And then uh, parapsychology studies psychokinesis, which is mind over matter, which uh, are things like moving objects with your mind. And that would be macro PK, macro psychokinesis PK. And then there's micro PK, which is the type of stuff that the app does, which there's random number generators. These, uh, they, they generate random numbers. And you can do uh, different forms of statistics to see whether uh, the random number generator is random enough, right? Um, a random number generator is like an automatic coin flipper, okay? Right. So if you were to flip a coin a hundred times, eventually, or a million times, eventually, you would uh, flip heads 10 times in a row. That doesn't mean you're psychic. That doesn't mean anything. That means that's what would be expected by chance. Almost Murphy's Law. If it can happen, it will happen. That's what chance is. Uh, Micro-PK is when these incredibly sophisticated automatic coin flippers or random number generators, except instead of heads or tails, it's zeros and ones, um, where people are able to influence these random number generators to become less random. And the only way to show, because there's so much data, there's so many numbers, the only way to show that there is a deviation in the random number generator from what would be expected by chance is to use these statistical methods to draw out the data, but, you know, to um, glean that, yes, there was a deviation from chance. I asked uh, Toby to try to influence the random number generator for the last five minutes. So now I have to go back through all this data find Toby's five minutes and see if there was a deviation. Then I have to do these statistical measures to prove it. And there's been many studies in this by Dr. Dean Radin at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, by Dr. Robert Yon at the at Princeton University that show that, yes, these pe- people, normal people, by the way, not necessarily psychics, but that everyone has these abilities to some degree. That's micro-psychokinesis. Micro basically means that the only way you you – could see that, yes, there was a deviation is by using statistics, by using math, really intricate types of math also. Then there's poltergeist phenomena, which 
what Dr. William Ohl would call uh, RSPK, recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, and forget everything you've heard of, or everything you've seen in the movies about poltergeist. The research <laughs> seems to show that uh, the cause of these poltergeist phenomena are a living agent, are a person unintentionally causing these phenomena. They're not ghosts or demons or anything like that. Well, what about the, uh, the okay, uh, time slip theory? Like, how do I explain that? I feel like I'm at a loss of words for tonight but like you were describing it the other day rudy where it's like residual energy uh maybe that wasn't you talking to me about it but is for like a a ghost a haunting or something right well there's there's um and that actually it's a perfect segue into the and i'll explain that by the way but it's uh what the what the what parapsychology also studies is what we would call the survival of consciousness after bodily death which includes ghosts or apparitions, hauntings, cases of reincarnation, children who remember past lives, near-death experience, mediums, those who are able to uh, communicate with those who have passed on, deathbed visions, things like that. And to answer your question, there, there isn't the theory, what research seems to show at this point, and there is no consensus on this, but that certain... Ge- uh, geological areas are more prone to these types of phenomena happening, whether it's a haunting. Most hauntings are recordings. Basically, you know, if you go out at, th- at 2 o'clock p.m. every day, you'll see this ghost walking up on the roof. Does that right. make sense? Every day. Yeah. It's the same or every month. And so it's not just the geo, uh, the geological conditions. It's also the geomagnetic conditions. And there's also been research that show when there's more solar flares uh, on the on, on the surface of the sun, there's more of these types of phenomena. And when the moon is at a certain position in sidereal time, uh, which is not um, the same time right now, it's 5:45 p.m. in California. Uh, sidereal time is completely different. Right. Um, that at certain times during on the sidereal clock, these phenomena are more prone to happen. There's no consensus, but it seems to be that there's geomagnetic and geological con- geological conditions that make these types of phenomena more prone to happen. Uh, they're, they're, uh, these types of geological phenomena, or pardon me, geo, geological conditions and geomagnetic conditions make the phenomena happen more often, it seems. When, and that's based on the research. When you're talking about the geological conditions, um, would that also include the, uh, the ley line? Um, was it theory? I guess no. that uh, they have, or uh, does that even factor no. into it? No, no, that's a, that's that's. I mean, uh, yeah, that's not science. That's not There's science. no other way to say it. I don't mean to. <laughs> no, no. Those who we, have feelings no, about ley lines, let we, them have say, it. But uh, running water and things like that. Uh-huh. That's it's um, they're myths and legends and things like that. It has nothing to do with science. There has been no research that shows that if water is running under your house, you're more likely to have these types of phenomena. It just doesn't happen. And I ask that because I'm sure someone is thinking that who might be listening. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. When you say the geological part of it, that that was the first thing I thought of, too. You know, it's a myth. A myth (laughs) and a Hollywood legend. Because they talk about it Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that are legends. Just like Mm -hmm. with the ghost hunting TV shows um, that – you know, they they go out with their night vision cameras at night. Uh-huh. Most most uh, paranormal phenomena are what, you know, what we would call psychic experience happens during the day. Right. Right. You know, like and but because of the TV show aspect of it, you know, it's 
quote unquote, it's cooler to they walk got, around they, with a night vision camera at night. They got you know a, what I mean? Got it's spookier. It it's better for television. It yeah, for television. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right on that part. I've always thought that on those TV shows. It's like, why do they only do this at night? Right. Well, the, and the, it's because it makes for better television. And I'm not saying that as an opinion. That's what it is. And in many cases, like I said, these phenomena happen during the day. So if all you know, you in the, the what's most important when you go on a quote unquote investigation as a parapsychologist is the story of the person. It's interviewing the person, figuring out what the phenomena was, when did it happen, how do you feel about it, how do you feel in general, things like that. Which is why it's better if you have these more, you have these advanced degrees because right now I'm being trained to be a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm being trained to know how to talk to people, right? right. Uh, to talk to people correctly. I don't come in and say, oh, you have a demon. I mean, what, <laughs> help, what help does that do for anyone except make them scared? Right. You know, and I mean, it's ridiculous. So, and I mean, if you watch the ghost hunting shows for entertainment, great, because they are entertaining. I mean, I'll occasionally, occasionally tune into one just because I find it entertaining. But some of the shows, not all of them, but some of the shows claim they're doing science because they have, you know, an EMF detector or... I don't know. What do they call it? A spirit or, box or yeah. all these different <laughs> things. Um, I like the flashlight one that it, they use nowadays. I don't even, you know, I mean, none, there is no such thing as a ghost detector, right? right? All of these things um, are environmental detectors. So That's, really all they're telling you is what's, what's in the environment, you know, or, uh, what's going on in the environment. Or is there a lot of electricity in the house? Right. You know, even when all the lights are off, things like that, they, and just because an EMF detector is showing high readings of EMF, all that means is there's a high level of electromagnetic, there's a high electromagnetic field where they're at. That's it. That's all it means. It doesn't mean there's a ghost. It doesn't mean that the area is more prone for you to see a ghost or to have an experience. It doesn't mean any of that. And there's a mountains of research that shows that, you know, they're just electromagnetic fields, not even the, in the realm of parapsychology. Just go look up electromagnetic fields on Google Scholar, and you'll find enough to keep you busy for a few years. But it looks cool, right? You have these devices that have all these lights on them that look cool, yeah. you know, and they make these noises. And, uh-oh, I'm seeing a high EMF field. There's, you know, there's a ghost. That's ridiculous. It's not science. I like it's the entertainment. show where it's they, entertainment. they would find the, the high EMFs, and they were like, oh, look. Here's a huge electrical box. I wonder if that's causing it. You know? Right. Well, and, like you know, and I've seen on some of the shows where, yeah. and I'm sorry to interrupt you. I no, feel no, like no, I keep fine. interrupting you guys. But uh, I see on some of these shows where, look, look, I'm getting a 4.5 on my EMF meter. Uh -huh. And what and I, I, what I want to do is I want to scream into to the TV and say, so what? <laughs> so what? So there's a high EMF field in this particular area. So what? That doesn't mean anything. You know, what you're doing is pseudoscience. You're claiming you're doing science when you're not doing any science. You're doing zero science. <laughs> you're filming a TV show. Uh -huh. That's what you're doing. And, uh -huh. um, and it's ridiculous. Now, and I also want to say just really quickly that there's been a lot of good that's come from this whole paranormal boom also. And I mentioned, uh, I've mentioned this in the past, that because of all these ghost hunting shows, starting with ghost hunters and moving on to where we're at now with ghost adventures and 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just go on Destination America, and I'm sure you'll find they probably have one playing right now. There's but, probably um, yeah, I think there's like 14 different ghost hunting shows. On, yeah, on there's Destination different ghost hunters, America. but they all follow the same. Mm-hmm. They follow the same uh, formula that right. uh, Jason and Grant did on Ghost Hunters. Mm-hmm. Let's go investigate in the dark with cool equipment, and let's say we see a ghost. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, but what the what these ghost hunting TV shows have done, which is really important, is that they've made these types of phenomena more acceptable, and people are don't feel excuse me don't feel as uncomfortable speaking about it publicly. Whereas in the past, before those shows, it, it's something that you kind of kept to yourself and maybe told your close friends and hope they didn't laugh or told your (laughs) spouse or something like that. Whereas now people can talk about it relatively freely. Yes, I had this experience. This is what happened. Um, And that's because of these shows, because it's part of popular culture now. And that's, that's a big deal. So I cannot, uh, nor would I um, just criticize them the whole time. And a lot of these people on these TV shows, I've met a few of them. They're nice people. They are, they are nice people. And some of them, don't know any better and they think they're doing science. They really do. And some of them knowingly um, say they're doing science when they're not in that <laughs> box because it, uh, it makes, because when I talk about parapsychology, normally the first thing I say, what, when someone asks me what parapsychology is, um, I would say parapsychology uh, studies psychic phenomena. And then I, right after that, I would say, but it's nothing like any of the ghost hunting shows. Forget everything you've ever seen on television. <laughs> Screw up it's your all mind fake. that. Right. And I normally have to say that to people because they lump para- – because uh, normal people or the mainstream would lump parapsychologists in with these ghost hunting people. And that's a shame because people spend their lives really doing difficult, intricate, intelligent science to try to study these phenomena and figure out what's going on. And then on the other side, we have people walking into a dark room with a television crew and night vision cameras and an EMF meter that makes sounds and makes lights. Right. And, you know, they're to- just totally different. You know, you know, for, uh, year, for years, um, whenever I heard of parapsychology, I immediately associated it with the original Ghostbusters <laughs> because he allegedly was a, a, a parapsychologist. So until I actually started looking at actual parapsychology was, that was my base for everything and then and then i realized oh crap there's so much more to this you know right well the funny thing about that since you mentioned it i'll just uh, briefly say that um if you remember at the beginning of the movie when bill murray is mm-hmm. doing that test yes. with the dinner cards with the cards, cards trying to pick up on that girl and shocking that yeah. guy yeah. by the way i love that movie it's hilarious it's right. a great film and i watch you know i watch it occasionally i love it but anyway the they actually and when the the universe the head of the university throws um, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd out of the building and say, we're no longer associated with you. You know, you guys are doing pseudoscience, et cetera, et cetera, and kicks them out. It right. shuts down their department. That uh, situation was actually taken from a real life circumstance uh, at uh, a, a similar circumstance at, at um, Duke University, where there was a laboratory in parapsychology for years uh, under the direction of Joseph Banks Ryan, J.B. Ryan. And while J.B. Ryan was a respected scientist and the head of the university didn't throw them out or anything like that, um, J.B. Ryan was politely um, asked to retire, and, <laughs> uh, which is what he did. And then he, the, the Duke Parapsychological Laboratory shut down in 1969. And then there's the Ryan Research Center named after J.B. Ryan um, a couple blocks at most from the Duke University campus. 
And the university is, or pardon me, uh, the Rhine Research Center is still doing research in parapsychology to this day. Oh, and some cool. of the and some of the profits generated by my app and my psychic is going to to the Rhine Research Center, so they can continue to study these types of phenomena. But uh, since you mentioned Ghostbusters, I thought I'd let you know that uh, you know some of the stuff in that movie comes from things that actually happened, oh, you know, cool. as based cool. on yeah, a true is. story kind of thing. Yeah. So why don't you uh, tell us about the Am I Psychic app? I, I've got it. I've got it open right now on my phone, looking at it. It's 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 available on iTunes and Android, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right on on all phone, all Android phones, all Apple phones, and on all tablets, Android tablets and uh, iPads. Did you design the the interface on it and everything, or like you know the the backgrounds and all the? I, I did. Well, ever. Uh, how do I say this without sounding like an egotist? Um, every single thing you back. see in that app is me. Oh, it looks I nice. Thought of it's, it's very nice. Everything I did. But I, I, I am not an artist. I can't even draw a stick figure straight. So I paid an artist to design everything. Right. But I told uh, her name is Melody Moore. She's an amazing cartoonist, as you can see by playing the app. Everything, the entire app was, des- was uh, drawn by her. Um, but everything you see is every, everything is my idea. I came up with everything. And so yes and no, yes, I thought of the idea and I designed it, but no, I didn't design it myself because I don't have the skill to do it. I paid gotcha. someone to, uh, draw everything for me. So there's, do all the artwork. there's three different games on here and, That's right. it, but it's, it's their games, but it's actual research for, for you. that's right that's that's right um okay so let me explain a little bit so when you first download the app by the way i want to mention that it's not a free app it's one dollar and 99 cents um both on android and um ios but the profits as i said they're not going to me you're not making you know, their profits some of the profits are going to the ryan research center so you're actually supporting parapsychological research so when you first download the app because the app is a legitimate psychological experiment. I was actually just um, tentatively approved by the Saybrook IRB, which is the Institutional Review Board, to go ahead with this study. So the data I'm, that's being collected anonymously within the app is going to go to my dissertation, and I'm going to publish in academic journals using this information. So anyway, when you first download the app, there's a little consent form where it basically tells you uh, that, hey, this is a study. It, just so you know, if you say yes, your res, your results will be anonymously collected. So I don't no names, no addresses, no email addresses, nothing. All I get is the how many answers you got right or how well you did, basically. Um, that's the only time I just get numbers. That's it. And um, you know, at the beginning of the app, it says if you click yes, um, then we are going to collect those uh, results in an anonymous database. And if you say no, that's fine too, and you can use the app. You can use everything in the app just the same. There's no difference. And then there's three different games. Um, there's a dice game, a, a card game, and a spoon bending game. And there's two modes for each game. There's an ESP mode, which I already explained, um, where you're trying to see what's going to happen in the future. And I'll give some examples of what I mean by that within the um, realm of the app. And then there's a psychokinesis mode, which is just like that micro PK stuff I was talking about. So let me explain. So as I said, there's three different games. So you have the dice game. So the dice game in the ESP mode, you have a dice and you have six different uh, choices. You have one, two, three, four, five, or six. And you're attempting to guess what role is going to come up next. 
And remember, the app is using a very highly advanced random number generator. So it's based in prior research. And you, let's say you click the number two, and then the dice rolls in it, and the random number generator does its work, and one, two, three, four, five, or six will come up. And uh, at the end, you, it takes 36 guesses uh, minimum to see a result screen. And then once you see the result screen, you can see how many you got right, how many you got wrong, and what your percentage of correct is, meaning your whether you did less than would be expected by chance, whether you did what would be accepted by uh, expected by chance, or whether you did much better, whether you're possibly demonstrating psychic ability. And then in the PK mode, the psychokinesis mode, you choose a time limit, one minute, three minutes, or five minutes. And then again, you have a dice and you have six different choices. You have one, two, three, four, five, or six. So let's say you choose the number three. So you click the number three or the, the third face of the die. And then what you're trying to do is influence the random number generator to choose the number three more often than would be expected by chance within the given time frame. So let's say you chose one minute. So you have 60 seconds, it, you know, you get a little countdown and then you have 60 seconds to try to influence the random number generator to choose three more often than would be expected by chance. Right. So that's the dice game using numbers. And then the card game, it's very similar, except it's colors. You're using colors because different people are better at um, different types of tests. Some people are better with numeric tests, which is why I have the dice game. Then some people are better with color related tasks. So in the ESP mode of the card game, you choose you know, blue, yellow, green, purple, and then, you know, let's say you choose blue. So you click blue and then the card flips over. And it, you know, if you guess correctly, then the card will flip over and show blue. So that's the ESP mode for the card game. You're trying to uh, get, predict what's going to happen in the future. Right, right. And then in the PK mode, uh, it's the same concept, but you click, uh, let's say you click green. And then, you know, you chose a time limit and you're attempting to influence the random number generator to choose the color green more often than what would be, what would be expected by chance. And uh, and then in the spoon game, the spoon bending game, which is my favorite. Um, <laughs> and it is. Uh, and I'll tell you why. So in the ESP mode, um, by the way, the spoon bending, it's a kinetic style test. It's a movement style test. So in the ESP mode. You're choosing which way the spoon is going to bend next. So you choose the way you think the spoon's going to bend, and then the spoon actually bends in real time. And by the way, an important aspect of all of these games is that you get immediate feedback. So you see whether the number six came up on the dice or whether the color purple came up in the cards or which way the spoon was bent, and you see that right away. Right. And uh, based on prior research, that's important is to get immediate feedback. But then in the PK mode of the game, this is why I think the spoon bending game is so cool, by the way. You choose a number, one, two, three, four, five, or six, and then you're attempting to make the random number generator choose the number two, for instance, more often than would be expected by chance. But this is where it's different, is that if the random number generator does choose two, then you can actually see the spoon bend in real time, like Yuri Geller, the, all the old spoon bending things. You right. can actually watch the spoon bend in real time. And the spoon will bend if you're showing psychic ability, or so prior research would say. So that's what kind of what the app does. And just to point out, let's say you did really well uh, once. That doesn't mean you have psychic ability. But if you're able to consistently do pretty well, then that's something to think about. Um, as a scientist, I couldn't say conclusively that, yes, you're demonstrating psychic ability. But that would seem to be the best explanation, right? 
And then, then in the app, there's also a leaderboard. So all the users, I mean, I, I uh, designed that specifically so users could post their scores. I wanted it to be as close to a modern game, a modern mobile game as possible, like uh, Clash of Clans or Candy Crush or something right. like that. So, and when you're playing the game, you don't know that really that any science is going on. That was the whole point. I didn't want to bore people. So the app's actually really fun. It's just in the background, the science is always working. But all you're doing is testing your own psychic ability and practicing and things like that. Um, and it's all using science. It's all using prior research. And as I said, I'm, I'm using the results, uh, the data for my doctoral dissertation to, and to publish in academic journals. So um, it's all based in science. But it's not boring. It's actually, you know, I, I included a lot of things, a lot of like little funny Easter eggs in there. Uh, when you get a right answer, you know, you'll, for instance, you get a right, you get a correct answer in the ESP mode. You'll see uh, it's a celebration will come up in green. And I took that from the Dave Chappelle show, right? <laughs> from the Rick James skit. Yeah. Um, it's a celebration. You know, I, so there's a lot of little funny things. I mean, I, one of them is uh, you're running wild which to any WWE fan, that's Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So there's a lot of, it's designed to be kind of tongue in cheek and a little eclectic and make people laugh. But the science uh, going on behind the scenes is very meticulous. And that's, that's what the app does. That's what the app is. That's the, what I hope the app does is creates a fun experience uh, with the science going on in the background. I hope people have fun playing this. I don't want them to feel bored or feel like they're being tested. Now, do you, okay. So we were talking about, I can't remember the James, uh, the, the amazing Randy guy, James Hendrick or Hedrick? Hedrick. Hedrick. One of his complaints uh, was the uh, static electricity from the phone when he was trying to flip the page of the phone book. Do you think anyone would complain that there's the, the electric current from the, the phone isn't allowing me to fully possess my psychic abilities? No, no. He was lying bold-faced on television. <laughs> that's what he was doing um well i mean do you think anyone would would try to say well i am psychic but i can't do it on this phone because sure they would yeah absolutely um and and uh oh you mean with my app yeah um yeah. i mean people will say anything you yeah. know if they're making if they're i mean I, I don't mean to say it that way but if your business is being a psychic right and there's many of them who just hang up a shingle and say yes i'm a psychic uh, come and get a reading from me. Now, not by the way, not all of those people are frauds. They're not. Right. There's many who do have these abilities. So I want to make that very clear. But at the same time, if your whole business, if I'm a fake psychic and I put up a shingle, you know, if I start a business is what I mean, um, where I offer psychic readings and I'm a total fraud, I know I'm a fraud, but I'm a really good illusionist. I'm a mentalist, right? I know tricks to get information from people. And then not necessarily just my app, but any scientist puts me in a controlled setting and I'm not doing well, then yeah, I'm going to come up with an excuse because I don't want to lose my job, right? <laughs> my job is my job is committing fraud. My job is taking people's money to give fake readings. So of course I'm going to make something. Right. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody said, oh, the, you know, the cell phone waves and the, you know, and the rays of Saturn are in the wrong position and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's a million different excuses people can come up with. And by the way, just because a psychic doesn't do well, I also want to make this point also, because it's important. Just because a psychic doesn't do well on command doesn't mean they're not psychic either. Like I said, the psi phenomena, they're very elusive. So there have been psychics who have been studied um, under extremely tight experimental conditions 
who haven't done well at first, but eventually they started doing very well. Does that make sense? Yeah. So just because a psychic doesn't do well doesn't mean they're lying to you. That's not what it means. And that's, and I understand why people would think that, oh, if you can't do well in this app, you're not a psychic, you're a fraud. But that's not necessarily what it means. What if, what if the psychic's just not good at those kind of tasks, right? It, so it's, it's hard. It's difficult. That's why I say as a scientist, you have to study them under experimental conditions. And not just once. You have to do it again and again and again, what we would call runs, trials and runs. And then using all that data, you can see whether they're actually demonstrating ability or not. Uh, but James Hydrick's a fraud. Totally. <laughs> well, see, uh, and on our show, we've actually uh, gone over a few psychics. We are people that have claimed to be psychics, or they may have been. Uh, it's hard to tell with old history. Uh, uh, Baba Vanga, what was her name? Baba Vanga. Baba Vanga. Uh, we talked about her. You know, prediction her her predictions that she made. Some of them were true, or some of them happened, but. It also has that line of like, well, was it changed slightly to fit the what has happened? Right. Uh, we we talked let about me, Rasputin a little bit. Like Self fulfilling prophecies. Yeah. Let, let me let me give you an example. As a scientist, you know, I'm constantly th- my first thought is how do I test? Okay. Right. So I would. What was her name or his name? Baba. Baba Vonga. Whatever. It, yeah. A, she. It was a she. The psychic. I think she was Russian. The psychic who you're talking about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I would take all of their predictions and not their rewritten predictions. I mean, the original predictions, right? So I, I would first need to make sure that I had the firsthand copies of all these predictions. Yeah. Every prediction they've ever made. Then I'd collect all of them together. Then I would go through each and every single one and see and base it on a scale. Was it, you know, uh, a five would be 100% correct. A four would be mostly correct. A three would be somewhat correct. A two would be mostly incorrect. A one would be almost entirely incorrect. And a zero would be completely incorrect, right? right. So then I'd have to rate this on a scale. And it wouldn't even, if I'm really doing good science, I'd get somebody else to do it because I could be biased, right? So right. I'd get somebody else, some outside person who has nothing to do with the field of parapsychology to go through all this data. I set it all up for them and I say, okay, go rate these for me. And I you know, rate all of their predictions. And then I'd take the results from all those predictions, you know, how many were fives, how many were fours. And then I'd do some statistics and then we could show, you know, what percentage of the time um, was uh, the psychic correct. And then is there a deviation from what would be expected by chance? So then I might even go so far as to give somebody else the, all of the same situations and ask them to make a prediction, right? Tell me what you think is going to happen. And then I would take their you see how complicated it can get to yeah, do it, right? Yeah. Um, and then I would take all of their predictions and measure them against the psychic predictions and see, okay, so this is a person who is just making wild predictions. This is what they predicted, and this is what the psychic predicted. So I'd have somebody rate all of those persons too. And then we'd go back through and see how they match up. So there's a lot of different ways you could do it. But that's – as a scientist, I have to rely on the data. Right. I mean it's not like I want to disbelieve everybody. You know, It's not that at all. Because like I said, I, I do believe these phenomena are real, but I have to rely on the, on the science um, because that's what, that's what scientists do. We, we go by the data. We don't go, go by what somebody says, right? Right. I think we're getting kind of close to the end. I, I want to kind of spitball some other things at you, to, just uh, real quick on like other things that you might believe in or, or may not sure. believe in. Uh, you know, everything that kind of is in the, I guess, paranormal world. 
So, like, what are your thoughts on Bigfoot or some of the cryptids, uh, Jersey Devil, you know, any, any uh, of the... You know, I don't know enough about them. I, and I'm sorry. I, that's the truth. I just don't, I would love to give you a yes, I believe or no <laughs> answer, but I just don't know enough about them. Right. Um, I just don't know enough. Uh, my first thought as a scientist would have to be no. But I'm, I, my opinion can be changed with the right data, right? So, uh, you know, I'm not dead set on the no, absolutely they don't exist. Uh, but I'm certainly not going to say that, oh, yes, I definitely believe there's a Bigfoot walking around in California or in, Oak, or in uh, Oregon or something like that. So the jury's out for me because I just don't have enough information. But right off the top of my head, I would have to say no. Okay, so let me let me ask a little crazier. What about like aliens and stuff? Do you have any kind of belief? Because you know, in, in some cases uh, of of uh, alien encounters, you know, people have said they they spoke to me telepathically. In you know, uh, right? There's a you know, there's um, my feelings on aliens. Okay, so the first thing would be that parapsychology doesn't study any you know just so i just want to make that clear which right, is fine right right but parapsychology doesn't study bigfoot or aliens or werewolves <laughs> or vampires or any of that but which um, i'm sure a lot of people would research think. has shown yeah well uh, which would people would think if i didn't say it, right. which is why <laughs> exactly. I that. exactly but research shows that it's a mathematical probability that there exists intelligent life somewhere in the universe just mm-hmm. because of how damn big the universe is mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's so big, you can't even put it into words how big the universe is, right? So there's, mathematically, it's probable that there exists another intelligent life form out there. Right. I don't even even think numbers can can give you an estimate of how big the universe is. Well, yeah, I mean, numbers can, but it would be like 10 point something to the 10 to the something power, you know what I mean? Really kind of advanced math. Um, But... Then there's the question of have aliens visited Earth, which is the real question, right? I, most scientists wouldn't, would, would probably, uh, any scientist, mainstream scientist or otherwise, would probably say that there's certainly a possibility that intelligent life exists somewhere. But whether the real question comes down to have aliens visited Earth, and that's a hard thing to study <laughs> in a laboratory. You know, that's yeah, a hard thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could do statistics and things <laughs> like that. Based on all the experiences, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. No comment, I guess. I just don't know. The jury's out, for sure. Because there's a lot of people having these experiences, right? Basically, it's statistically possible. are not crazy people, right? right? Or what we would think of. They're very normal, uh, very well-adjusted members of society, right? Um, Who say they have these experiences. And then they're labeled nutcases. Not so dissimilar from people who have... Uh, paranormal phenomena happen uh, in their lives. Yeah. But until all these ghost hunting shows came up, that's how it was. But now it's more acceptable to talk about it. So um, I just don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I just thought I'd ask a couple of, of curveball questions just to see. Yeah, go know, for it. Some just to see, like you know what what someone that studies a whole different field, you know, a field that's kind of in this uh, this group of weird stuff, because you know. Uh, almost fringy yeah fr- yeah yeah fringe right type. fringy fringy is a good way to say it. <laughs> fringy, yeah, that's um, and like i said it's probable that there's a that there's intelligent life somewhere whether they have visited earth you know god i don't even study those things yeah. uh i have no idea maybe maybe not a lot of cool stories though tons of cool stories i mean i you know i've watched the movies too or you know fire in the sky and things like that i you know 
whether it's true or not, I just don't know. You know, you know Hollywood, it's, Hollywood tends to embellish. It's, it's not something you can test. Right. It's difficult to test anyway, scientifically. Until one, um, until one pops and as down a scientist, right in front of you. That's what I have to stick to. So. Yeah. We are going to be uh, uh, giving away the Am I Psychic on an Android device and on the Apple, Apple devices. Device, iOS. So, uh, where That's do... right. For one listener, yes. um, they'll get one listener will get a, a version on their iPhone. And then another listener can have one on their Android phone. I, I uh, appreciate you guys having me on, and I want to support uh, your podcast and your audience. So, And I also need the data. I need people to download this app. I need uh, I need the data to do my dissertation. But what were you going to ask me? Uh, do, you, do you got some social media that you could plug so maybe they could follow? And, and that's how I think that's how we're going to sure. have everyone enter this contest to, to win these is follow some uh, social media accounts and keep up to sure. date with everything that's happening with the app. Sure. So um, you can follow me on Twitter at MI Psychic App. I have a Facebook page. Uh, if you look up MI Psychic question mark app, uh, it's very easy to find on Facebook. And um, that's how you can win a copy of the app. And then I also recommend that everyone go to www.mipsychicapp.com. Um, and then you click. Uh, you can either click the Google Play button or the uh, Apple Store button, and it'll take you right to the page to purchase the app. You can sign up um, at the bottom of uh, the website for the app for an email or for an email list where I don't really send out that many emails, um, but you can stay up to date with what's going on with the app. And then my email address is mipsychicapp at gmail.com. And I always love answering questions and at wor- you know, the worst thing I can do is direct you to researchers who have more knowledge about whatever subject you're asking than I do. So, um, and I'm always welcome to anybody to email me, but everyone download the app, please. Um, you're supporting a field of science that's important. You know, parapsychology asks some of the most basic questions, like where do we go when we die? What happens to us? Um, and there's not a lot of funding for the field of parapsychology. There's hardly any. So, Download the app, be a part of proving psychic phenomena to the world, and the money you spend on the app is going to the Ryan Research Center. It's, they're going, it's going to a good cause. Some of the profits are being donated, so uh, I don't know how I can sell it any more than that. It's <laughs> nope. a win-win-win situation. That's great. Oh, I, I had, do you have a question? Real quick, hey, uh, do you plan on adding any, uh, any games to it like further on, like in updates and stuff? It depends. It depends. I haven't really decided yet. Um, um uh, a cover story was just done on the app in the Haunted magazine that's oh. about to come out. Um, and they asked me the same question, and I said, if the app is successful, then I'll probably add more games. And okay. that's what I'm sticking to. And by successful, I mean very successful. Will I have you – know, well, I, I already – by the way, I self-funded the app myself. So I spent a lot of money. I mean a lot – over $20,000 to get this thing done. Ooh, wow. So if – people purchase the app if enough people purchase the app i'd be happy to do more games right. um and things okay. like that right. but uh for right now i'm i'm a graduate student working my butt off on all these papers and trying to get ready to do my dissertation and become licensed so if a ton of people buy the app sure sure um i'll make some more games for the app absolutely and i wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that at some point in the future i won't do another app um within the same field of parapsychology i just don't know what it is yet Right. Neat. I got I got one more question. 
Sure. I, and I forgot to ask it early on. Have you ever had any uh, paranormal experiences yourself? Um, actually, that cover story I was talking about asked me that same question also. Um, Ooh, uh, well, if you want to save it for which now, is fine. That, that way they... No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. I'd love to answer the question. It's an important question to ask. So I've examined a lot of evidence. I've examined uh, EVPs. I've examined, obviously, a lot of peer-reviewed academic research. I've read a lot of books by credible researchers that prove to me that these phenomena are real, as I said. However, myself, I have not had an experience. I have not had an experience that I would classify as paranormal. However, in my defense, I've also been either in school, sitting in front of a computer, or working on this app for the past three years. So it's not like I've been, um, I don't know, I've been, there hasn't been a lot of opportunity to have these types of experiences. And now that I'm in graduate school, um, it's a little different than undergraduate in the fact that I do have, while there's actually more work in graduate school, um, I can do it on in my own time, meaning I don't have a due date or a quiz or something like that. Right. So um, check back with me. Again, uh, in about a year, and I'll tell you. Okay, very cool. I hope you do have one. Yeah. They're rather entertaining, for sure. Me too. Me too. I hope yeah. I do too. Um, but not yet. No. <laughs> I guess that's that's going to do it. We appreciate you coming on. and uh, Very enlightening, for sure. Yeah, and teaching us. I, I, I feel like I've, I've learned something for once from our show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't call me a teacher, though, all right? I'm too young for that. It's like sitting um, in a classroom. Uh, I hope it. I hope it didn't feel that way. Fun classroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Yep, no problem. Yeah, it was, it was neat for sure. We'd like to thank Dominic for coming and sharing the wealth of knowledge that he dropped on us uh, about the psychic phenomenon. And uh, you know, go support his app, or you could follow his Facebook and Twitter page at Am I Psychic App. And you can enter the contest to win those free. You do this before October 11th to enter. And all you got to do is just follow at least one of those accounts. Send us a message with which device you prefer. And we'll announce the winner on October 13th's episode on witches. Friday the 13th, witches. We'll announce the winner. And we also have a small announcement. We have a new merch store. You can support us and buy a t-shirt from our tpublic.com page and the link to that will be in the description of this show as of right now we have three different shirts to pick from and all of them have a bunch of colors and uh, you don't have to have a normal shirt either they have v-necks they have long sleeve shirts baseball tees hoodies you can get a coffee cup with our logos on it It, there's all kinds of stuff there so go visit the tpublic.com page and uh, like I said the link will be in the description but if you don't want to look up the link it's something like tpublic.com slash user slash secret transmission so go check it out they might even still be on sale if you hurry make sure you're following us on twitter and instagram at secret transpod follow us on facebook and join our private group called secret transmissions secret group and you can come chat with us We have a few voicemails, and if you'd like to leave us one, our number is 304-602-7444. So we're going to listen to the first one right now. Hey guys, this is Ray. Um, I'm in between showers after listening to episode 69. Trying to get the ache off me. 
Um, but I think I know how that episode came to be. Kobe, you might need to uh, figure out how to get your soul back. That's the only way I could kind of think of the episode coming up. Um, I know a guy has to do an exorcist. Exorcism. Um, but the devil may not be uh, too happy with that. So maybe have Rudy um, put him in the corner for a while because, you know, Rudy is uh, keeping Satan at bay. But uh, Toby, you gotta get that soul back so we get back to those good episodes. Um, besides that, Rudy, keep him at bay. Um, have a good night, guys. Yeah, that was a pretty raunchy episode, and uh, and kind of sad right there at the end. It it can only be the work of Satan. But if you got a number for an exorcist, don't email it or send it to us through Twitter or anything. Uh, if you could send it to us by Carrier Pigeon, he'll he'll never expect that because he checks all my stuff. Please send that as quickly as possible. But it looks like Ray double dipped this week and left us two voicemails. So let's see what else he had to say. Hey, Toby, this is Ray again. Um, I have very classified information. I don't have too much time for this, so I need to put your two-fold cap on and disconnect your phones after this so that they don't know where where it is. Um, a guy by uh, a guy by Bruce Wayne is looking for me, and here's why: because Batman is not a superhero. Stop trying to get people to believe you. But love yourself. Um. Just know that Batman's a superhero. Bye. Okay, so Ray and myself, and sometimes Zinger from the Zing This podcast, have an ongoing feud about Batman. I believe Batman is the greatest in DC, of course, in the DC comics. Those two wouldn't know greatness if it hit them in the face. And I believe one day I'll be able to convince them both on the simple fact of he's Batman. That's all you need to do. To win when you're Batman, just be Batman. So I'm sure that feud will continue. And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail and tell Ray why Batman's so great, give us a call at 304-602-7444. And I appreciate you calling, Ray, even though you're wrong. But that's going to be it for this episode. Until next week, we hope you come back and listen to us try to explain the unexplainable.